Well, salutations, one and all. How are you doing today? How you be? This is Bob Rowe. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast for Tuesday, July the 13th, 2021. On Tuesdays, we play an old-time radio drama. And we've got a good one lined up today. Chester, it's good to see you. Glad you're glad you made it. It's uh, yeah, it's muggy outside. Muggy outside. We're gonna we're in for a heat wave here in the Midwest in the St. Louis area. Nothing like what they had uh, out west, but uh, the humidity. St. Louis can get sticky. The whole Midwest and the whole South, Southeast, South, can all get sticky. It's not like you know St. Louis gets humid, but Houston is a paradise. No, no. Houston gets pretty muggy down there, and Dallas, and so does uh, all of Florida, and Georgia, and New York City. When I lived in New York City, we used to get some pretty humid days. So you have to live either in the desert or in the south on the west coast to, to escape the humidity. But that's okay. We're making it. We're getting along. Anyway, we are glad to have you along today. Our old-time radio drama is I'm doing something that uh, I did one other time and I am going to make us a policy now. We're going to play an episode of X-1. Now, the reason I've been throwing some of these into the grab bag is because I tend to categorize these as science fiction, and we don't have a science fiction day, and I can't really add another day. But they are also dramas. These are dramas. The one we're going to play today are dramas. And the truth of the matter is... Uh, the ones that we thrown in the grab bag, there's such a. It was such a great show, such a great show. <laughs> Wonderful scripts. These scripts were mostly based on stories that were written for magazines, science fiction magazines, fantasy magazines, and uh, but some of the writers went on to become very, very famous, very famous writers. And so we are going to play an episode of X minus one today. That first broadcast was first broadcast on June the 5th, 1955 on NBC. And it's entitled Mr. Perigi's Wonderful Dolls. <laughs> and it's a classic, classic episode. And uh, I, I don't even want to try to tell you about what it's about, because if I do, I'm, I, I could ruin it for you. And also, it's kind of complicated. You have to follow it all the way through, but it's not hard to follow. This is not a hard one to follow. And it's delightful. At times you find yourself smiling and at other times you're kind of scared. And uh, it's sort of a thrill a minute. So I think you're going to enjoy it. So it's time for you to get into that big comfortable chair over there. Get your feet up. Get yourself a little refreshment and just totally unwind and relax. Because we're coming at you right now with this week's old time radio drama.
countdown for blastoff. X minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, X minus one, fire! From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents X minus one. Tonight, X minus one presents Perigi's Wonderful Dolls by George Lefferts. The doll shop stood on a quiet Washington side street, not too far from the sprawling Pentagon building. A woman and child waited outside. The little girl peering eagerly through the window at the dolls inside and the woman glancing impatiently at her wristwatch, as if expecting someone who was late for an appointment. There was nothing about the doll shop to warn them, but they were waiting to keep an appointment with Doom. Mommy, look! Hmm? What, dear? In the window of the shop, the tiny dolls... Oh, Mommy, do you think Daddy will buy me one? We'll ask him when he comes, dear. Should be here soon. He said three o'clock on this corner. I see him, Mommy. See? Oh, Henry, over here. Hello, dear. I'm sorry I'm late. Well, we're all ready to go shopping. Cindy's been... Yes, well, I'm afraid we'll have to call off the shopping, Elmer. Oh, Henry, we promised Cindy. Well, I'm sorry, but it's just one of those things. You've been the wife of an army colonel long enough to know his life isn't his own. What is it this time? Well, some more of that flying sphere nonsense. The pilot who says he sighted it last month crashed and was killed today, and the general wants a full report. Oh, dear. What next? Well, I got a staff meeting at the Pentagon at 3.15. Daddy, look in this yes, window. Well, I haven't time, dear. Alma, I... Yes. Just for a minute, Daddy, yes. please. Now, Cindy, I haven't time to stop and watch a bunch of six-inch dolls parading around in the shop window. Say, <laughs> hey, they are lifelike, aren't they? Look at that, Alma. Dolls are marching around like a regular review. They've even got their own little band. <laughs> See the one in the red jacket, Daddy? Yeah. He's the leader. He's bowing to us. Well, uh, if they don't look human. Henry, your staff meeting. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Well, I gotta run. Can we buy one, Daddy? Well, not now, dear, and I'll run along. Now, don't go spending a lot of money on that nonsense. No, now. dear. Bye. Bye, Cindy. Bye, Bye, Daddy. Oh, look, Mommy, the band is going to play. Aren't they wonderful, honey? Honey, I must have stood on this corner a thousand times. I've never noticed this shop before. Look at the man inside, Mommy. Who's he? That's the proprietor, dear. Doesn't he look funny with those, those red cheeks and white mustache? It's easy to see who he models his dolls after. Mommy, look. He's coming to the door. He's coming. Good evening, children. Uh, uh, good evening. How funny he talks. Hush, Cindy. Would you like to step inside the shop of Santo Pirigi? Well, yes, we would. But... This way. Mommy, it's like... like fairyland. 
Here in the shop of Santo Pirigi, creator of Pirigi's universal wonderful dolls, the world of adult reality is blended with the world of child's fantasy. This is a new shop, isn't it, Mr. Pirigi? What is new and what is old? Come, this way. Would you like to meet one of my little ones? Oh, yes. Now, this one in the red jacket is Toto. He's the leader. <coughs> Handle him ever so gently. See, I will set him on the table. Speak, little one. How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? Oh, my, he talks. The doll talks. Oh, amazing, absolutely amazing. That is nothing for Pirigi's wonderful dolls. Listen, sing. Sing, Toto. Sing for the little girl. My name is Toto. <laughs> Sing, Toto. Men are big and tall. Dolls are very small. When men begin to fall, the dolls will rule them all. <laughs> oh, more, more. How do they work, Mr. Parisi? How do they work? Ah, that is the secret of the great Pirigi, greatest of all doll makers. To make an ordinary doll is nothing. To make a perfect replica, that is something. But to make a doll with intelligence, that is the work of an artist, eh? I suppose that they're very expensive to buy. But Pirigi does not sell his dolls, madam. You don't sell them? When I construct a doll like Toto... I cannot bear to be permanently separated from him. So instead of selling, I rent my little people. You do? You rent dolls? Precisely. Ten dollars. For how long? For as long as they are cherished. My only request is that when you grow tired of my dolls, you return them to me in good condition. Oh, Mommy, could we take him home? Take him home! Take him home! Take him home! <laughs> oh, look, he's bowing and dancing. He wants to well, come. Well, honey, your father said that we shouldn't spend a lot oh, of money. Oh, please, I'll take such good care of it. Please. Well, honey, we'll have to deal with your father later, but... Well... Oh, Mommy! All right, wrap him up, Mr. Parigi. But I have a feeling that when your father comes home, we'll be sorry. Be sorry, be sorry, be sorry, be sorry. <laughs> now, Toto, this is my room, and you're going to sleep right here next to my pillow. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't laugh like that. I'm going to have to teach you some manners. <laughs> And you be quiet because my daddy will be home soon. And he's a colonel in the Air Force staff. And he'll bust you to private if you don't behave. Come along now. I'm going to introduce you to my puppy dog, Mr. Blister. So be good. Here, Mr. Blister. Here, Blister. Come on. <laughs> Mr. Blister, this is Toto. Oh, dear, I don't think Mr. Blister likes you, Toto. Come over here and shake hands with Toto, Mr. Blister. Come on now. Ah, Mr. Blister! Ah, let him go! Kill him! Kill him! Go! Let him go! Kill him! Ah. Mr. Blister, come over here! Come over here! Sidney, what happened? Mr. Blister tried to bite my doll. How frightened he is. Oh, honey, dolls don't get frightened. But he was frightened, Mommy. He screamed. You imagined it, dear. It's only a doll. He did! He did! Well... Mr. Blister didn't mean it. Now, you know he's the gentlest little pup alive. He is, and he's nasty, and I hate him. Oh. 
Now, see, you've hurt his feelings. I don't care. He tried to buy my new doll, and I don't ever want to see him again, ever. Oh, dear. All right, Mr. Blister, you come downstairs with me. Cindy's angry with you tonight. I'll kill him. Cindy, where did you learn a thing like that? Toto said it. Honey, you've had a, a very exciting day. Now, brush your teeth now and go to bed, hmm? Daddy's coming home late, so he'll see you in the morning. Good night, dear. Sleep well. I hate him. <laughs> hate him. Hate him. Hate him. Hate him. <laughs> Morning, Alma. Breakfast ready? In a minute, dear. Mm. How was the staff meeting last oh, night? Horrible bore, as usual. I don't know what's got into the old man. Just because a few farmers corroborated the pilot's report, he thinks some strange aircraft has penetrated our radar zone. <laughs> well, where's the little one? Up in her room. <laughs> now, that's funny. She's usually down here before me. Well, she's probably up to something. Sit down, dear. Say, remind me to take some papers back to the War Department, will you? I left them in my strong box. You haven't been bringing your reports home, have you? Well, it's safe enough. Well, you told me it was against regulations to bring secret papers home. Well, I had to finish some work for the old man, and nobody will ever know the difference. Well, I don't know. Oh, would you feed the puppy before we sit down, Henry? Mm, yes. His bowl's under the sink. Where is he? Say, that's funny. Here's his supper from last night, only half eaten. <laughs> He's getting fussy. Doesn't like canned dog food anymore. <laughs> Here, Blister. Here, Blister, Blister, Blister. I don't know where the Dickens is that mutt. Maybe he's on the back porch. Here, Blister. Here. Alma. What is it, dear? Alma, look. <gasps> Henry, is he... He's dead. But how? But what happened? looks of it, he, he might have been poisoned. But who would do a thing like that to an innocent little puppy? I don't know. Let me see his dish. I don't understand this at all. Not at all. What, dear? What is it? There are pieces of broken glass in this food. Blue glass, you see? How? Henry. What? I just remembered something. What? It may be coincidence, but in the bathroom this morning... Well, what about the bathroom? Oh, Cindy's blue glass, the one with the Mickey Mouse on it, was broken. I found pieces in the wastebasket. I meant to ask her about oh, it. Alma, for heaven's sake, you aren't suggesting that our little girl... Well, she loved Blister more than anyone. Not last night, she didn't. Why not? He went after Toto. Now, who is Toto? That's her new doll. Her what? Honey, I was meaning to tell you. But you, you bought her one of those dolls. I, huh? I just rented it. Well, rented it. Now, look here, Alma. You know we haven't got the kind of money to throw away. Well, she on... had her heart set on it, dear. I used my dividend. <sighs> All right. But what happened with Blister? Well, he went for the doll, and, and Cindy said she hated him. Well, a child... She is... said she'd kill him. Where'd she get a thought like that? I don't know. Has she been watching those chillers on television? I don't know. Well, it's too ridiculous. Good heavens, a nine-year-old child putting ground glass in dog food, she'd have to be a monster. Mommy! She's coming. Well, don't say anything. I'll talk to her. Morning, dear. Morning, Mommy. Morning, Daddy. What's the matter? Uh, sit down, dear. Yes, sir. No. Oh. Your mother tells me you broke your blue drinking glass. Oh, no, I didn't break it. Cindy. I didn't. Well, now, somebody broke it. It wasn't your mother and it wasn't me. It must have been Toto. Cynthia. Cindy, you know Toto is only a doll. Now, a doll couldn't have broken your glass, could he? Well? 
I guess not. So we can't very well blame it on a doll, then, can we? But he must have done it, Daddy. Cindy, you know how Daddy feels about little girls who tell fibs. Now, did you break your glass and maybe accidentally get some pieces into Mr. Blister's dish to sort of punish him for biting your doll? No, Daddy. Well, I'd hate to think you'd done something you knew was wrong and you were blaming it on a doll. Is something wrong with Mr. Blister? Is he sick? Worse than that. Henry. The child has to face reality, Alma. What's the matter with Mr. Blister? He's dead, Cindy. Oh, no. We can't be dead. He isn't dead, Daddy. No, he isn't. He isn't. Mommy. Honey, he is dead, Cindy. But he'll come back. He has to come back. No, darling, he won't come back. Ever? Not ever. Yes. Uh, now that we've told you, Cindy, you want to change your mind about the glass? Henry, leave her alone, please. <laughs> you think I killed him? Now look what you've done. The child feels guilty <laughs> enough, My, my Henry. dear, this is no time for feelings to interfere. You go up to your room, honey. Daddy and I'll be up in a minute. I don't want to. Please, Cindy. Now we'll be right up, please. There. That's a good girl. Close the kitchen door behind you. Mr. Blister's dead. He isn't coming back. Ever. Ever. Daddy thinks it was me, but... It was you. It was you. your supper, dear. I'm not hungry. You scarcely touched your lunch. I don't feel like eating. Is it Mr. Blister? <laughs> now answer your mother. She'll work it out her own way, Henry. Well, I don't know, Elma. When I was a boy, there was such a thing as discipline. Now, the way this child is being brought up... Henry! Well, it's true. There's no respect. Lying and... <laughs> oh, there, there, honey. Now, your father's upset. He doesn't mean well, it. what's happened to us? We were a nice, peaceful, happy family until you bought that cursed doll. Now who's blaming things on the doll? Well, it's true. It's... Oh, now I've spilled my coffee. I'll get you another cup. Never mind. I'm late now. I better be going. Oh, you uh, wanted to get some papers from the strong box. Oh, yes. Cindy, please, try to eat something. Yes, ma'am. Alma! Alma! What is it? Alma! It's gone! What's gone? The box, the strong box is gone! It can't be! The door to your study's always locked. You and I, I have the only keys. Yeah, I know all that, and I tell you it isn't there. Well, who would go? I don't know. Alma, those confidential reports, if they ever got into the wrong place. I house... warned you about keeping them well, there. What if it ever came out in the open? Can't you see the papers? Call the police, yeah. Henry. And throw my army career in a wastebasket after 17 years? No. We've got to find it ourselves. Well, it was there when I went in to clean this morning. What about your key? It's right here. I always keep it with me. It's funny. Oh, no. My other keys are on the ring. Oh, you've lost it. I don't see how. Alma, Alma, how could you do Oh, Henry, please. We'll search the house. I can't think of anything else to do. Well, you'll miss the staff meeting. Meeting? My whole career goes up in smoke if we don't find those reports. Somebody got hold of your key and opened that room and... I know. Cindy. You leave the child alone. She's been through enough. You know she wouldn't do a thing like that. I don't know anything anymore. I don't even know my own child. I don't even know you. 
All I know is that strong box is gone and it contains papers that are dynamite if the wrong person gets them. The question being who? <laughs> What's that? It's coming from upstairs. It must be Cindy's doll. Oh, that blasted doll again. <laughs> Something must have set it off. I don't know how to, the mechanism well, works. For heaven's sakes, let's go up and shut it off. Since you... Henry! What? Look. Where? What? Around the doll's neck. The key. The key to your study. You see, Alma. It was Cindy after all. I don't believe it. Well, good heavens, do you have to have it spelled out for you? Here's our doll with a key around its neck. She wouldn't, Henry. You know she wouldn't. Oh, ever since you got this this fool doll, she's been acting half insane. At first the dog, and now this... I think she hates herself. Henry, Cindy is my child. I know her. I know she's a good, sensitive person with no malice in her. You're simply refusing to face the facts, my dear. What are you going to do? I'm going downstairs and have a talk with that young lady. You're not telling the truth, Cindy. I am. I am. Cindy, now you know that strong box is very important to me. Now, I can understand that you might have been angry at me because I scolded you. And so you took it and hid it, just to spite me. Now, all I ask is for you to tell me the truth. Now, where is it? I didn't take it, Daddy. Honest, I didn't take it. Well, I suppose you're going to tell me now that a little six-inch doll took it and hid it. Well... I'm speaking to you, young lady. But I didn't take it, Daddy. You don't understand. Toto did it. He's terrible, awful. He says things. He's going to kill everybody. Cindy, you're inventing things. It's true. At night when I'm sleeping, he stands next to my pillow and whispers things to me. Awful things. He told me he'd kill me, too, if I scold if I told you. I think this child is sick. I think she needs a doctor. She's frightened, Henry. She's trembling like a leaf. Come on, dear. We'll go up to your room. I don't want to go up there. Honey, Mommy will stay with you. I'm afraid he's up there. Who? Toto! Well, he won't be up there for long. Mr. Toto is going right back to Peary G's wonderful doll shop before I lose my sanity, which means right now. Welcome to the home of Peerage's wonderful doll. Are you Peerage? Santor Peerage, creator of the universal doll, the doll with the mind, the doll which... I'm returning one of your masterpieces. Oh? If you will step into the rear of my shop. Now the complaint. No complaint. Here's your doll. Good riddance. My little Toto. Rejected. You found the world of men too filled with hate. Hate, 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 hate! We will change all that later on. Return to your comrades in the window, little one. And now, Colonel Grayson. I think we have no further business. Ah, but we do, Colonel. Let me see. Ah, yes, here it is. Do you recognize this strong box, Colonel? My strong box? Well, where? My little Toto is very clever, sir. 
Are you trying to tell me your doll stole that from me? Let us not say stole. I am merely keeping it in custody. What's the game, Pierigi? The game, as you call it, is blackmail. You give me what I want, and I do not ruin your career. What do you want? Information. We already know something from the reports of the War Department concerning a certain strange-looking sphere reported by one of your pilots. What government do you represent? I represent Pierigi's wonderful dolls, none other. <laughs> I am not so naive, sir. Perhaps I should explain. Each man hides something from the world. Each man loves something more than life. With the help of my wonderful dolls, I obtain personal information which enables me to control the men who control the world. You're a madman. A genius. You would be surprised at the list of men who have become the confidants for my dolls. Do you think you can blackmail me into betraying my country? If the price is right. And in this case, sir, the price is your career and the lives of your wife and child. Why are you so interested in the flying stick? Well, let us say for reasons of my own. Well, Colonel? Hand over the strong box. I warn you, I have a gun. Give it to me. You are being foolish. Put down that walking stick. Now? No closer. Now? Hello? Give me the police. Hello? Yes, this is Colonel Henry Grayson. I've, uh, I've just killed a man. Yes, Perigi's doll shop, corner of 4th and Lexington. The body is in the back room. Yes, I'll wait for you. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, you little fiend. Colonel Grayson. Did, did I hear it speak? Colonel Henry Grayson. <laughs> I must be going out of my mind, a six-inch doll. Shut up, your master's dead. You are mistaken, Colonel. I, Toto... I'm the master. What do you mean? If you will examine the body of Santor Perigi, you will see that he does not bleed. And he does not bleed, Colonel, because Santor Perigi never lived. Never lived? Santor Perigi is a doll. A doll? Doll, but that's impossible. He's a man. He talks. He walks. The people of Meritrix are skillful doll builders. People of Meritrix? Doll but Look, who are you? I am Xanthus Imperator, commander of the legions of the third planetoid, Meritrix. Legions? Planetoid? My people and I, whom you regard as dolls, come from a tiny planet beyond the moon, so small that it cannot support... Our population. We landed one of our space spheres on Earth three months ago with the intention of colonizing. Unfortunately, one of your pilots intercepted us. So that's why you wanted our information. Precisely. Are you, uh, are you, uh, human? Oh, quite human. Uh, of course, in order to deal with Earth people without suspicion, we were forced to construct Perigi, a... Man-sized doll. Oh, well, I can't believe this. I'm having hallucinations. I'm going to get out of here. Oh, that would be impossible. We have weapons of destruction quite unknown to Earth people. Well, I phoned the police and they'll be here soon. By the time they arrive, my people will have prepared something 
quite shocking. <laughs> Cover him, Ryan. Okay, Sarge. You the guy who turned in the call? Yes. Where's the body? Well, it isn't exactly a body. What do you mean? It's a doll. A what? You've got to let me explain. Now, this sounds fantastic, but I've stumbled onto an unbelievable plot to control the world. Keep talking. Now, these little dolls, they aren't really dolls. They're tiny people. There's a big doll named Santo Perigi, and he runs this shop. Holy smokes. He's off his trolley, sir. Listen, mister, we got a call that there was a murder here. Now, if there was one, where's the body? Behind those curtains in the back. Only, it isn't really a body, you see. What? I hear something back there, Sarge. All right, cover those curtains. You, is anyone back there? Come on out. Come out, or we'll come in and get you. Something's coming. The curtain's opening. Welcome, gentlemen. Perigi. Well, this is impossible. I smashed his skull. I. You know this guy? Yes, that, that's the one. That's the doll. What's your name, mister? Perigi. Santo Perigi, creator of the Universal Doll. You ever see this man? Never until just now. What? Well, he's lying. I tell you, he's nothing but a life-sized doll. The real masters are these little dolls. Ryan, are you getting this? He's wacko, Sarge. Nutty as a fruit. Look, look, I'm not crazy, I tell you. I can prove it. They must have fixed up his head when I when I smashed it in. T- touch him, you'll see. Mr. Perigi, you know what the guy is talking about. The man is demented, obviously. No, no, look, I tell you, there's a there's a plot to control the earth. Listen, you you've got to let me call the War Department. They'll want to know about the flying sphere. Holy mackerel! This gets worse every minute. Ryan, take him to headquarters. Save some time. Take him down to psycho ward. Okay, Buck Rogers. Now, look, I'm along nice look, and quiet. Look, you've got to listen to me. Don't you see the future of mankind is at stake? Sure, sure. I know how it is. Look, he's nothing but a man sized doll. Touch him. And the little ones are going to take over the earth. I know. I had the DTs once. Okay, Sarge. Now, we'll see you later. Please, please. Come along. Please, now. listen to me. You've got to listen to me. Sorry to cause all this trouble, Mr. Parisi. Not at all, sir. Not at all. <laughs> Well, I'll be. Well, nah, that ain't the cutest little doll. Say, my little girl will be nuts for that. But perhaps you will accept it as a gift. Well, now. For saving I... my life. That madman might have killed me. No home is really complete without one of Kirichi's wonderful dolls, Sergeant. Is that right, Toto? <laughs> yes, but I. I, I, I would like, in some way, to show my gratitude. You will be doing me a favor if you will take the doll home to your little daughter. <laughs> Say, this ought to make her the happiest girl in the world. Yes, Toto will come <laughs> as a great surprise. A very great surprise. Won't it, Toto? <laughs> Tonight, by transcription, X-1 has brought you Perigi's Wonderful Dolls, written by George Lefferts. Heard in the cast were Janet Alexander as Cindy, Anne Petoniak as Alma, Nelson Olmsted as Henry, Joe DeSantis as Perigi, Michael O'Day as Toto, Ken Lynch as the Sergeant, and Frank Milano as Ryan. This is Fred Collins speaking. X-1 was directed by Fred Way and is an NBC Radio Network production.
Tonight's story concludes the present series of stories of the world of the future. If you'd like to hear X-1 return to the air at some later date, please drop us a postcard or letter addressed to X-1, care of the National Broadcasting Company, RCA Building, New York. Well, that was X-1. And the name of that uh, episode was Mr. Parigi's Wonderful Dolls. It was first broadcast on NBC June 5th, 1955. Pretty good story, huh? Typical 50s stuff, you know? The science fiction, a lot of, a lot of it had to do with the Pentagon and uh, getting messed up with, with space aliens. As you heard, that was the last episode of the series. It looks like this was on June 5th. I, I believe this was a... Um, a summer replacement, and they only played six episodes and then cut it off. NBC, now, I read most of this on a really great website entitled The Digital Deli. Now, over the years, I've quoted from The Digital Deli many times. I mean, many times. So if you if you want to look it up, do a Google search for Digital Deli, like a delicatessen, Digital Deli, X minus one, and it should take you to the page. They really have a wonderful discussion there. It's a great website, a great resource. Sometimes it's a little hard to navigate, but it uh, really had a lot to say about this. And they, they brought out in the history of this program that NBC just never supported it. I don't know if the executives weren't science fiction fans or what, but that this was really some of the best radio of the era. Really well done. And the science fiction community loved it. This basic show originally started off as the show Dimension X. Dimension X came out in the very early 50s, and X-1 was sort of in the middle of the 50s. Radio, of course, was waning. It was brought out in this article that, that NBC just did not support this show at all. It moved it all over the dial, kind of like what CBS did with uh, Escape. It was just a very similar circumstance. But also they brought out that they just never promoted the show. And yet, obviously, when they put out this uh, response as they were ending the series, they said, if you want to hear more, write to us. They must have gotten some letters. It's interesting that this was just at the time when television, of course, was, was becoming ever so much more popular. And we soon had shows like The Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Outer Limits. A lot of those shows were uh, very, very, very popular. And some of the stories that were done on X-1 were later incorporated into the Twilight Zone. And uh, why not? Really good show. X-1, we're adding it to our drama. So expect every four or five or six weeks or so to hear another episode. And you won't hear any more in the grab bag. you wonderful people, you loyal listeners. So glad to have uh, had you visit with us today. Hope you enjoyed our selection. That is going to do it for Tuesday, July the 13th, but we will be back tomorrow on Wednesday, July the 14th with an old-time radio mystery. And we'll be back on Thursday, July the 15th 
with an old-time radio western. So you stick around and uh, join us when we come back to you again tomorrow. We usually release the shows at 2 o'clock Central Time. That's 3 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern Time. That would be noon in, uh, in Pacific Time. And for those that live, uh, of you that live down in Delray Beach, that would be uh, 3 o'clock your time too because you're Eastern Time Zone. So just thought I need to explain that to you. We're going to go out tonight with a couple of songs from the 50s. I don't think they are from 1955. I think they might be a little, well, I don't know. I didn't look up what year they're from, but based on the theme of the songs. And these are songs, I, one of them I really remember, the one by Sheb Woolley, who used to be a, an actor, too. He used to act in a lot of westerns. He was in Rawhide. And then uh, the, the, the one after that is by an artist who I don't remember, but he was a rockabilly star, I guess. His name is uh, Billy Lee Riley. But both of these songs were from the 50s, which was the era of, uh, of X-1, and both of them uh, are on a subject related to what we heard tonight. Okay, this is Bob Bro. So glad you stopped by, and I am so glad. You met me. Coming out of the sky, it had a one long horn and one big eye. I commenced to shaking in the city. It looks like a purple people eater to me. It was a one eyed, one horn flying purple people eater. One eyed, one horn flying purple people eater. A one eyed, one horn flying purple people eater. Sure looks strange to me. One eye. Well, he came down to earth and he lit in the tree. I said, Mr. Purple People Eater, don't eat me. I heard him say in a voice so gruff I wouldn't eat you cause you're so tough It was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater Sure looks strange to me One-horned? I said, Mr. Purple People Eater, what's your line? He said, eating purple people and it sure is fine But that's not the reason that I came to land Well, bless my soul, rock and roll, flying purple people eater Pigeon toad, undercoat, flying purple people eater We wear short shorts Friendly little people eater, what a sight to see oh! And then he swung from the tree and he lit on the ground And he started to rock, really rocking around It was a crazy ditty with a swinging tune Sing a bop, bop, a boop, a lap, a loom, bam, boom well, bless my soul, rock and roll, flying purple people eater Pigeon toad, undercoat, flying purple people eater I like short shorts Flying purple people eater What a sight to see Purple people Well, he went on his way and then nobody you know I saw him last night on a TV show He was blowing it out, really knocking him dead Playing rock and roll music through the horn in his head
Stop me dead. 